All right, let's, uh, let's look into the scriptures uh, a bit. Um, but first, well, anybody else more tired than usual during this season? Uh, I, I think that's just a sign of, of the season. Um, much of the loss of our normal way of life has been a real grieving process. And so there's been anger and there's been denial, right, in grieving. And there's been bargaining. If I do this, I'll make everything fine. And then there's the depression phase. Uh, and I think, I think many, uh, many have hit seasons of feeling kind of that heaviness of, of depression. Feeling tired all the time is one of the marks of that. So, so anyways, I've, I've felt that on and off. And uh, I know I've been a bit more tired lately. And I found myself kind of sleeping in a little bit more than, uh, than normal. Uh, until this week, because I have to tell you about my cat named Ted. And I did not think that I would ever use my cat as a sermon illustration in my life. And so uh, this is a bit humiliating because uh, Ted is not my favorite member of the family, as you're about to find out um, in just a minute. But my, my, Ted, my, my cat Ted is, uh, is, he's a difficult individual. He is, he is a, a high grace pet that helps me learn what love looks like on a regular basis. Um, for example, last night I was brushing my teeth and uh, the weather had just turned cool. And so we had our, our windows open with the screens down. So the breeze was coming through. And as I'm brushing my teeth um, on our upstairs level, I, I hear this sound outside and we have raccoons in our woods. And so um, I heard the sound on, on the roof. And it scared the daylights out of me because it was only a couple feet away, but I couldn't see anything. So I closed the window because I really don't want a raccoon clawing through our screen. And I go back into the bedroom and tell Bethany, and we have the windows open in there too. And uh, we're lying down and all the lights are out and I hear the sound again. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's it. it it's still up there. So I open the window and I stick my, my flashlight out the window and our cat is sitting on the roof. He's an indoor cat. He doesn't live outside. And he's sitting on the roof, on the edge of the roof. It's rained all day, he's wet, and he's just looking around. And so we call him over and I lift him back in. Apparently one of our windows didn't have a screen in when we opened them. And so he found a window, hopped out, and decided to hang out on the roof. But that's not even the point of what I'm trying to say. That's just to give you a little bit of backstory so that you understand the character or lack thereof of my cat, Ted. So um, the real issue is that uh, every morning for the past eight days or so, uh, Ted has been waking me up starting around 4.30 or 5 o'clock uh, by incessantly meowing right beside the bed or pounding on the door if we shut our door. Um, and so on Wednesday, it came to a head. Uh, on Wednesday, uh, I kind of reached a breaking point. He, he tried to get us up at 4.30 in the morning. For what reason, I still do not know. Um, so I took him downstairs and put him in the basement. And we have a cat door in the basement that flips so that you can lock both directions. So I locked him in the basement. And I went back to bed. Uh, this was at 4.30. At 5 o'clock, our cat Ted is sitting beside my bed, meowing about a foot from my ear again. And I don't know what happened. So at 5 o'clock, I take him back down to the basement to find that he broke the basement cat door, snapped the plastic in order to get out. So this time, I shove our door shut and put him outside at 5 o'clock. At 5.30, he takes a running leap and throws his body into the door and smashes our door open. I did not latch it even though it was tightly shut and I, I should have. And so at 5.30, I am, I am a defeated person. And, um, and I, I realize I'm a shell of the man that I was at 
and I, I, I have no willpower left. And so at 5.30, I just decide, you know what, um, I'm going to get up because clearly he needs me. I don't know what he needs me for, but he needs me. So I get up and I go down at 5.30 in the morning and I sit on the couch. And as soon as I sit on the couch, he leaves. And I don't know where he goes. He's just gone for the day. He just needed me up. Um, that's, he's, kind of, he's kind of a jerk. That's, that's the, the character of, of this guy. So I'm sitting at 5.30 in the morning on my couch on Wednesday. And I've been sleeping in much later than 5.30 lately. And so I decided to read the Psalms a little bit. And I sit in the quiet, in the silence with the Psalms. And I think about the faithfulness of Jesus. And then I went out on a 10-mile conversation run with Jesus. And I was all done and ready by 8.30 in the morning to get my day started. And it ended up being the best morning of my week. It was hard to get up on Wednesday. Um, I, had to, I had to surrender to the will of my cat. Um, but I realized that maybe that was the best thing that I could have done. And so each day since that point, I've tried to surrender to Ted's will. In the morning, he gets, he gets there between 5 and 5.30, and he drags me up. I still don't know why. I still kind of hope that it ends. But until it does, um, I've chosen to go ahead and roll with it. And I've learned that there are new opportunities when I give up my own will in this way. There's new opportunities with Jesus, with my ability to handle life and love well, with my ability to connect with God. And it made me think about Jesus doing hard things. And that might be a, a tough leap for you. Believe me, it was for me too, to even decide to share about Ted on a Sunday morning. Um, but in Matthew 26, Jesus is, uh, is in the garden of Gethsemane. And uh, let me see if I can, if I can uh, throw this up. I have some bad news. Keith is no longer here. He's Hello. Coming back. There he I'm is. back. I'm back. Did Ted do it? Did Ted kidnap you? Absolutely. Okay. So, sorry about that. We should be back and, uh, and good to go. And this time, I should be able to share my screen effectively. I think I leaned on the power button. It was completely my fault. Okay. Uh, someone give me a thumbs up that we're good again and that you can see Matthew 26. All right. Thank you. So, so Jesus is in the garden in Matthew 26. And, uh, and Jesus has uh, been through a very difficult weekend with his disciples. He senses what's coming. The message and the kingdom that he has been proclaiming does not match the kingdom of those in power. Um, at the same time, he has understood that the way to reveal God's heart in its fullness would mean giving his life. The way to absorb the sin and the ugliness of the world would look like this. But he's facing this battle of, of his own, and I'm going to say this, and this might offend some of you, but his own imperfect willpower. Because at the moment, his willpower is not perfectly lined up with the Father. It's a battle. His, his will is, is going back and forth, and he says, I don't really want to do this. At the same time, he's enmeshed in imperfect community. 
walking with disciples who aren't that great at being faithful. And so he, he's faced with these two difficult battles and he, he invites some friends to come and he says, come and pray with me because he's struggling and, and, and he's struggling with what he wants to do versus what maybe God's heart might look like. And so he goes and he asks his friends to pray for him. He asks, he says, be with me on this. And then he goes up and he prays in the garden. He says, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, father, if it's possible, may, may this cup be taken from me yet, not as I will, but as you will. And then what happens is he comes back and he finds his friends asleep and he gets frustrated because they are imperfect followers. And he wakes them up and he says, can't you keep watch? He says, the spirit's willing. He gives them the benefit of the doubt, but he says, your flesh is weak. Make the harder decision, the good decision. And he goes back up and he battles again with what he wants versus what the father's will is. And then he comes back and he sees that they're asleep again. And by this point, he just lets them be. And then he goes again a final time and he prays God, if it's possible for another way, bring it, but not as I will, as you will. And what's happening in the midst of this, in the midst of the alignment of wills here is that Jesus is fully submitting himself to the Father and the Father is communicating this is what we came to do. Remember, the Father and the Son are not disconnected in this journey. We're told that, that God was in Christ on the cross, not doing something to Jesus, but doing something as Jesus. And so, so Jesus enters into a moment of surrender where he says, yes, we will reveal to the world what love looks like, even though it's hard. And the fascinating thing is that, uh, that what he does is uh, with imperfect willpower and imperfect community that are a part of the human experience, um, Jesus submits and continues to go toward God's perfect expression of love, and Jesus forgives and continues to walk toward God's ultimate hope for community. Both things Jesus does not give up on. He doesn't say that because it's hard, I won't do it, God. And he doesn't say that because people are difficult, I won't continue with them. He walks toward both. It's amazing. It's breathtaking. It's beautiful. I, it made me also think this week about Jesus collecting disciples. From the beginning, though some of them were going to break his heart, he, he created community and he continued in community even though he knew it would be imperfect and even though he knew it would be difficult to persevere through because people are imperfect and difficult to persevere through. I know I am. I'm not sure if you are or not because I can't see you all to see if you're nodding. But I think some of you are probably imperfect and difficult to deal with at some point. So the option is, do we give up on each other or not? Lots of things are difficult, but I think Jesus would have persevered and done them anyway. Because Jesus learned how to do difficult things that love requires. Jesus was constantly doing difficult things that love requires. And I think about Paul. Paul did hard things too. Take a look uh, at, at his, his journey uh, with the churches that he helped begin, that he planted and then nurtured and helped grow and encourage and strengthen as they uh, became adolescents. And, uh, and there's this often quoted passage from, uh, from uh, Philippians 4, uh, and, it's, and it's really beautiful, and it's 
uh, often kind of misunderstood in verse 13. Um, actually, before that, uh, Paul is talking about some friends who had sent him some support. But he wants to remind them of something. And he says, remember, um, I, I think this is beautiful. And I'm not saying this because I am in need. For I've learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. This Christian slogan that is quoted so frequently, um, it was not about finishing a workout well. Um, it was not about getting that small business off the ground with really, really great work ethic. Uh, those words were about finding contentment and joy in Christ, no matter what. Finding contentment and joy in Christ, no matter what. And living faithfully, doing the hard things for Jesus, no matter what. These, these famous words of, of being content in all circumstances, they weren't forged in a luxury condo on the foothills of Rome. Okay, Paul wrote that Jesus had given him peace and joy that nothing could take away. And it was so powerful because it was written from jail. It was written from isolation. And Paul would have given anything to be with his, with his people in person. Take a look at how he starts this whole chapter, right? He says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for. Paul longed for them. It was so hard to go through this season. It was so hard to be separated. And Paul longed for a different way than the hard way. Okay. Paul had to use the limited technology of letters at the time. Weeks, months between correspondence. I mean, I was just annoyed because I had to take a 30-second break to re-sign on the Zoom. We're talking about months between correspondence sometimes, sometimes never hearing back, I'm, I'm guessing, okay? Can you imagine if Paul had said, this is too hard, I am done writing letters, and threw the pen across the room and then realized that he was chained to the wall, and that was a, a bad choice in, in hindsight. Can you imagine the encouragement that God's early church would have missed out on if Paul had said, something is too hard, so it's not worth doing? Can you imagine the encouragement that we would have missed out on? Paul's deepest desire was to follow the will of God, whether that was really, really hard or not. He got up each day and he did it over and over again. He didn't lose hope in Jesus and he did what he did, what he could for connection and it changed the world. Following Jesus means that we keep doing difficult things that love requires over and over again, tomorrow, the next day next Sunday, this afternoon, whenever, wherever. We keep showing up for each other. It doesn't matter if it's not easy. That was never a promise. You know what was the promise? That Jesus will give you the strength through his Holy Spirit to continue to be one and to continue to do the hard and faithful things. That was the promise. Friends, keep doing the hard things. Keep surrendering your will. What you are doing and becoming right now as a disciple of Jesus, is going to determine what you will do and who you will become when all of this is over. What you are doing and becoming right now, as a disciple of Jesus, is going to determine what you will do and who you will be when all of this is over. 
choose the path of life. And I'm not just talking about showing up for gatherings. I'm talking about being the church, living with compassion, choosing Jesus, choosing each other over and over again every day. Do the hard things of the internal work with Jesus. Do the hard things of showing up and continuing to be in community with one another. Do the hard thing of reaching out to other people with words of encouragement. Do the hard thing of not just choosing to retreat permanently into your world of you and maybe even your family when you can be a difference maker in more ways than that. The world needs you still. Do the hard things of leaning into seasons of real prayer. Do the hard thing of radical and bold kindness in a world that is so skeptical and going to be even more so and more afraid of one another as people re-engage. You can be careful in your hygiene while being reckless in your kindness. We have to example what that looks like. Do not be afraid to touch the hearts of others when you cannot touch their hands. Do the hard thing of being a person of reconciliation and understanding. Do the hard thing of standing up for justice, but with a posture that doesn't turn into the very thing that you are seeking to resist. When we continue to do the hard things, when we continue to, to walk in this way, what we are doing is we are practicing hope. Hope is about continuing to do the hard things today because we trust something beautiful and better is in store tomorrow. Sometimes it takes courage to practice hope and to keep loving when it's hard. Sometimes our hearts aren't in it, and sometimes it's just the right thing and we have to surrender our will over and over again. I wrote about that on Thursday in the Together for Good, that sometimes when our hearts aren't in it, we have to keep doing and going through the motions anyways because we create movement that actually eventually can suck our heart back into what matters. That's why Paul talks about hope so much. Uh, you know when you don't need hope? When you're comfortable and things are easy. Uh, you know when you need hope? When things are really hard and you want to give up. So we should take heart knowing how much the New Testament speaks of hope. Because what that meant is that things were difficult nearly all the time. It should give us perspective, and it should make sure that we understand that whatever journey you're on right now, you're not alone. Hope was a main theme in the early church because things were really, really difficult, and many people wanted to give up. Christians were looked down on. Some were killed. Some were oppressed. Some were ridiculed. Some got into arguments that seemed insurmountable. But in their hardship, they were always told to hold on to their hope that they had been given a kingdom that was unshakable a kingdom that was founded on the love of God by Jesus himself and would always outlast and outpower from underneath, not above, any opposition that would come along. And it would one day transform the entire earth forever. In that day, God's people will dwell with God fully. The vision of revelation, right? And that hope held Christians together during amazing seasons. It held them together during seasons of perse persecution. It kept them compassionate during pandemics. It held them together during slavery. It kept them gentle and nonviolent as people warred against each other. The disciples of Jesus through the generations did hard things because Jesus gave them hope and strength in difficult times. The will of God is that you do hard things for love 
but that you do not do them alone. So I wanna encourage you this morning, again, today, and over and over again, to surrender. To ask God to transform your heart until it matches the heart of Jesus. Uh, the prescription that we are inviting you uh, to reflect on this week is about doing hard things. It's, uh, it's from the uh, book of 2 Timothy, where Paul is writing to a young church leader, and he's trying to reassure him, and he says this. He says, God's Spirit doesn't make cowards out of us. The Spirit gives us power, love, and self-control. Look at those gifts. Power, but power to love boldly, to make hard decisions, to not give in to weakness, and self-control. Beautiful thing. So we're asking you each day to reflect on this passage and pick a word from that last sentence, power, love, and self-control. Keep an eye out for where God helps you do something hard as you follow Jesus, something difficult. Write down the moments where God brings strength and courage to live faithfully this week. So take a look at that each day. Think about that. Proclaim that truth. And then think, the Spirit gives power, love, and self-control. God, where do I need that this week? What word? What, what, what today? Should I lean into? And then when you see what God's love allows you to do, what hard thing, what, what the Spirit's gift of self-control allows you to do or not to do that you would prefer to do, um, where the Spirit gives you power to take a new step toward the kingdom of God and loving God and loving others in some new way. Those are the, the things that we want you to write down and jot down because God will do this. We, we trust God's faithfulness in this area. Um, we can, we can do this season so well, friends. We can do this season so incredibly well, uh, no matter how hard or weird or awkward it might be as we stumble through it. And eventually, as we start to see each other again and have to figure out this new way for a while of relating where we can love each other, but there might be limitations so that we can care for each other. Um, yeah. Promise you that Jesus will give you the strength and the grace to do that. That's the beauty of, of all of this. We've been promised the Spirit of Christ and we've been given the body of Christ. So we have all of Jesus at our disposal because we've been promised the Spirit personally and we've been given the body physically because you're, you're here, you're part of this movement. And so we've got all of Jesus. And then, man, that, that's great, right? That fires me up. After last week, I was so discouraged after last week. Um, I was just really frustrated by the fact that connection is sometimes hard. And then I kind of heard the voice of the spirit saying, do hard things. This is, this is the way we walk. Um, we walk in love and we walk in courage. So let's be God's church this week. Let's be full of hope. Let's be full of courage. Let's be full of love, power, and self-control. All right. So, um, yeah, let's pray just briefly. And then Sabrina, you're actually going to walk us through one of those hard things, internal work with Jesus uh, for just a couple minutes. Father, you are good. Your mercy endures forever. Help us do hard things for the sake of your kingdom. Help us not grow weary. Empower us. Amen.